0: Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for every person here. It's not a mistake that they're here. God, you have providentially prepared this morning for every person to hear from you, Jesus. We do not want to hear from Ryan. We want to hear from you, Jesus, your spirit moving in this place, your word active and living sharp to our hearts to lead us and guide us and to fill us, God, with your power. So this morning, we surrender our time to you, Jesus. We don't want to play church. We want to experience your presence in this place. God, we thank you for the chance to gather together. So many people don't get to do this around the world. and God, we we don't want to take this for granted. And so this morning, God, in your presence, we say thank you. We are so grateful to be here with the body of Christ to gather as a church. And we love you, Jesus, and we devote this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, good morning, guys. Thank you for being here. Um, as you he said, my name is Ryan, one of the pastors here. And um, if you're new this morning, we've been walking through a series through a small book in the New Testament called Ephesians. Every week, we give you a bulletin as you walk in. The purpose of this is because we believe that God's Word and God's presence are the highlights of our Sunday morning. It's not a personality. It's not a person. It's not a song. It's, it's God's presence and God's Word. They do the work in our lives, and that's what we're running after. So every morning, we want to give you time just to sit with God's Word. I know that life can be so busy, and you're kind of running from thing to thing, and you don't get any of that space in your life to just sit. Sit. And be. and so that's that's our target with that. But this morning, uh, our message, if you notice on the front, is titled "Spiritual Strength." And if you're, you know, walking with this, I want you to just think about this with me. You know, this morning, are you weary? Are you exhausted? Um, are you somebody that feels like you are spiritually running on empty? Maybe you feel burnt out, and you just lack spiritual strength. I've learned in my life there's different types of strength. There's the physical side of our life, that we are physical beings. There's the mental and emotional part of our lives, that we, that we are emotional and mental beings. But then there's also the spiritual aspect, that all of us are spiritual beings. In fact, what I've learned in my life is that s- the spiritual aspect of my life has the potential to impact me the most. That you are a person who has a soul. That the spiritual part of your life, whether you recognize this or not, or you're walking in here, you've never thought about this in your life, you are a spiritual person, you have a soul. And in fact, that's the core of who you are. You have a physical body, but you possess a soul. And if that core of you is running on empty, so is your life. In fact, some of you, you've walked in here this morning and you don't think that you lack spiritual strength. In fact, you probably think, I'm doing pretty good. But you've been running on empty spiritually for such a long time that it's flowing into every space of your life. And in fact, you may not know it, but everybody else around you knows it. I got a text from a friend recently that was texting me like an encouraging word about strength And they were saying something to the degree of, you know, Ryan, I'm just so impressed by your strength all the time. And um, obviously, it was super encouraging, and I was grateful for that text. On the other side of that, though, you know, as I know me, I started to think, you know, actually, though, as encouraging as that was spiritually, if I've got to be honest, I'm actually quite a needy person. I can be quite dependent when it comes to spiritual strength, like, I lack strength at times. I lack stamina and power spiritually, if I'm honest. And, you know, the last few weeks, I'll be honest with you, have been some of the highest highs for me spiritually and some of the lowest lows. I've had the privilege of walking with people uh, quite a few people who have come to know Jesus now as their personal lord and savior like they've got saved they're experiencing the power of Jesus they've been reborn and i've got to walk through these powerful questions and conversations with people but on the other hand i've had to you know i've been walking with some people through some of the darkest valleys and moments of their life and walking with them step by step trying to you know pour out and as i've noticed over time what I, what i really began to feel was that i was pouring out pouring out pouring out but i wasn't filling up and I began to sense that like on the dashboard of my spiritual life, I was starting to hit empty, and I needed to fill up. Have you ever been there? You ever been there in your life? Look, it's not even that you're doing bad things. In fact, a lot of the things you're doing in your life are very good things, but if you're not careful, you will pour yourself out, pour yourself out, and you will never take time to fill up, and that is not how Jesus has designed you to live your life. That is not the way of Jesus. And luckily for you and I this morning, God gives us answers in his word. He gives us answers in a resource that we can turn to and fill up. That we can take time through his word to provide the nourishment to our soul and our strength that we all desperately need this morning as we leave this place. So this morning, we're gonna walk through this passage together. And just to kind of catch you up in context, The letter that we're studying is written by this guy, the Apostle Paul, and Paul is writing to a church that he started in this province of Ephesus, and this letter is six chapters long, but it's broken into two parts. The first part of this letter, Paul is trying to emphasize your identity in Jesus. If you're here and you're a new follower of Jesus, well, guess what? You've got a new identity, and I'm going to just encourage you in that. I'm going to root you in that. I'm going to share that with you. We're just going to focus on who we are in Jesus. And then the last half of this letter, he's going to talk about how that practically plays out in your life. So here's who you are in Christ. And then here's how this plays out in your life. But he closes out this first section on our identity with a prayer for spiritual strength. It's not enough just to know who you are in Christ now, if you don't have the strength and the power to take hold of it and apply it. And so that's what he's running after. And he's gonna give us a prayer that we can access and apply and remember to draw strength and power from this morning. So here's where he starts. Chapter three, verse 14. We're gonna walk through this in kind of in chunks of verses. And we're gonna read the first three verses together. Verse 14, Paul writes this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I'm going to read verse 16 again if you can look at that. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul begins kind of the primary theme of this text that we're going to study, the The focus of this passage, it's a prayer for spiritual strength. What Paul is saying is like in light of everything, he starts this passage for this reason. What he's saying is in light of everything I've just said, I want you to take hold of all of this through power and the strength that Jesus is going to give you. But what he highlights is that this strength and this power is applied in a particular place. And he says that's in your inner being. I want you to experience the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Now, here's why this is important, guys. This is the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is that Jesus, his power and his transformation takes place in your inner being. What Jesus is after this morning for every person here is he wants to change and transform your inner man, your inner woman, day by day, And moment by moment, by his spirit, here's why. You and I know this, like your life externally can be flourishing. But internally, if your inner man, your inner woman is downcast, depressed, empty, it does not matter what you have going for you in your life. It doesn't matter because you are a soul. You have a core, and Jesus wants to get to that core. He wants to give you strength and power and energy and peace at the core of who you are. This is why the Old Testament writer says that out of the overflow of the heart, or that, that was Jesus, excuse me, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But Solomon says that you guard your heart with all vigilance for everything you do comes out of it. It's your inner man that God is after. So, the gospel, guys, the message of Jesus is the only message that can get to the core of who you are. It's the only message that can get to the core of who you are and transform you. Jesus, He is like the Navy SEALs of inner man transformation. He can get places no one else can go. Religion and culture will try to tell you they can transform the inner part of who you are, but they can't. Only Jesus can get to the core of who you are and transform you and rebirth you and change you day by day and moment by moment. By his power, by his spirit, he will give you strength. Don't we all need this? Don't we all need this? Listen, Isaiah said this 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. He said, even youths grow tired and weary, Young men stumble and fall, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Even young men grow weary. Everybody needs strength, but those who wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. So this morning, before we even continue, here's what I want to do. I want to take God's word for what it says. We're going to wait on the Lord for a second. And we're just going to go ahead and ask, as Paul prays, that God would give us his spiritual strength. That he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So if you would, just bow your head with me. If you're comfortable with this. And I I even put a prayer on the screen for us to pray together according to God's word. But I want to take a moment. The word says, wait on the Lord. Just take a moment and wait. And to ask Jesus to come, just in your heart. Jesus, come. And I'm just going to pray this over you as the word says. Jesus, we pray that according to the riches of your glory, you would grant us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being. I pray that one more time over you. Jesus, we pray that according to the riches of your glory, you would grant us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So this morning, if you sense that, if you long for that, if you want that, you have just accessed that in prayer. That God wants to give you his strength, his power in your inner being. And what's really cool in this text, guys, is that Paul is going to reveal that from this prayer for strength and power that God wants to reveal some really cool spiritual realities in your life if you would take hold of this strength and this power. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through this text kind of in chunks and talk about each reality that Christ has for you, okay? If you're taking notes, here's the first reality that Paul reveals to you that you have that you can take hold of through his power and through his strength. The first reality is this, that Paul prays that you would be strengthened to fully settle into your new reality in Christ. Paul prays that you would be strengthened to fully settle into your new reality in Christ. Look at verse 16. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna connect verse 16 to every verse, because out of this overflow of God strengthening you with his power, he's gonna reveal a new reality. And here's how it goes, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Let's pause there. So what Paul is praying is that through the strength and the power given by the Holy Spirit in the inner core of who you are, you would realize, you would get settled into the fact that Christ dwells in your heart, that you would start to settle into that. Now, when you read this verse initially, you're like, okay, um, it kind of feels redundant, right? I mean, doesn't Christ already dwell in my heart? Why would I pray that he would dwell in my heart again? Doesn't he dwell? When I receive Jesus as Lord, doesn't Christ live in me? And the answer is yes. What Paul is talking about is, is something a little bit different. Paul is not talking that you would have strength to embrace here positionally that Christ dwells in your heart, but that you would begin to experience that and progressively rest in that and settle into that new reality. So positionally, you are in Christ, and Christ dwells in you when you trusted in Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit. But for most of us, what's true positionally does not become true experientially. And we never live in that new reality. We never settle into this new reality that Christ dwells in me. Here's what I mean. The word dwell in this passage literally means to settle down and feel at home. It means to settle down and feel at home. It's derived from two Greek words, down and inhabit. So it means to settle down and to inhabit a place to the point where you feel at home. You feel refreshed. You feel settled. Now, why is that important? For many of you, you are just beginning your journey with walking with Jesus. For many of you, you've just now begun this relationship with Jesus. My neighbor Patty just gave her life to Jesus. She's walking with Jesus. Come on, somebody. So Patty positionally is right with Jesus already, but experientially and progressively is learning to settle into this new reality, learning to settle into this fact that, okay, uh, I I don't have to work at this every day. This isn't like a checklist. God's not mad at me. He's not pointing his finger when I screwed that up or let that word out that was from, you know, back in the day. No, I'm starting to settle in who I am with Jesus. I've moved into this new identity, and I'm beginning, beginning to feel at home. Now you guys know what this is like. If anybody's moved recently, how many people just love moving in this room? Raise your hand. Get out. Okay? <laughs> Nobody loves moving. It's probably one of the worst things you've ever done in your life. And um, I remember when my wife and I got married, we moved downtown on the east side and we had moved into this like three-story condo flat and you know, when we were moving in, it's like you're excited about it, and then there's the reality of it. And just moving into that, the day we moved in, the AC had broke. It was June. It was 103. And, like, on the top floor, it was, like, 93 degrees in this room. And it was just an awful experience. And for some reason, in our brilliant minds, we were like, you know what? The day after we move, we should host a gathering in our home. <laughs> we should just have everybody over to celebrate this with us together. And that's a true story. I don't know what we were thinking. And so it was awful. I'll be honest, like other people might've been enjoying that night, but it was awful for us. And I just thought about that. When you move into a new home, you guys know what this is like. You're, you're getting settled for like months, like your boxes, like you're getting them unpacked and maybe things are in their place, but you don't feel settled for a while. But then over time, like as you move into that new place, give it a couple months, like you find yourself just kind of breathing a little lighter. You sit on the couch and you're like, oh, like, huh, like I know where things are and I feel at home. You know, it takes time to feel at home in a new place. And it's like that when you follow Jesus, For those of you who are walking with Jesus now, or or maybe you're coming back to the faith after many years, You, you walked away, you were hurt, whatever that was, you're coming back. Well, guess what? What Paul's praying is that you would have the strength and the power in your inner being to start to settle into this new reality. That when you wake up, you're not so frantic all the time wondering, am I doing this right, this right, this right? Just settle, dude, settle. Walk with Jesus rest in this new reality that you have in Christ. And he prays that you would be strengthened to rest in that. The second thing that Paul prays is that you would be strengthened to grasp and experience the boundless love of God. You would be strengthened by his spirit in your inner being to grasp and experience the boundless love of God. Track with me here. Once again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Connect this to verse 16. Paul says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So Paul prays you would be strengthened with power By a spirit in your inner core, the deepest part of who you are, so that you can grasp God's love. You can experience God's love. In fact, here's what he says. He says you're rooted and grounded in love. In the language that Paul's writing this, the present tense that he uses means it's already true. What he's saying is in Christ, you're already rooted and grounded in love. When Christ came to dwell in you, now you're settling into that new reality and you're rooted and grounded in love. Like, that's your home base. Your house, like, where you go home, is rooted and grounded in love. That's never going to change. But from that root, from that groundedness in Christ, what Paul's is praying is you would actually start to grasp God's boundless love. Look what he says. He says that you would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. That word comprehend, it's actually not a great translation. It doesn't mean to comprehend like you think, like understand something. It actually means apprehend. What he's saying is that you would have the strength to apprehend, to seize, to grasp something. And what he's saying is the breadth, height, depth, length. What's he talking about? He's saying God's love is boundless. You can't contain it. That's how large it is. It's immeasurable. And Paul wants you to have the strength to grasp that more in your life, that God would empower you in your inner core to begin to grasp his boundless love for you. That's what he wants for you. But he doesn't stop there. Then he wants you to experience it. And he says, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The word know that he uses there, it means knowing experientially. It's not like knowing about. It means to intimately know someone. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, I don't know if you're like a very literal person like me, but you read that and you're like, how do you know something that surpasses knowing? Knowing. You ever read that and you're like, I don't, I'm not tracking with you here, Paul. How do I know something that surpasses knowing or knowledge? And so as I was praying through this text and honestly chewing on it, it was, I was trying to understand how do I communicate that? How do you grasp and experience something like that? And Izzy alluded to this earlier. Uh, my wife and I, we celebrated our daughter's first birthday. I think I have a photo here. This was us. I'm on the left. And um, <laughs> Megan's on the right. Adeline's in the middle. And that's the number one. So my daughter turned one. And, you know, it's a super cliche, right? People talk about, like, becoming a parent and you experience this incredible love for a person. You know, it's just given to you. You don't have to work to love your kid. You know, like I had a guy tell me one time, and honey, close your ears. Um, I'm just joking, sort of. He was saying, I wasn't sure I was just say this. Um, He was saying, you know, oftentimes in marriage, you really have to work to love your spouse. You have to work at marriage, right? Doesn't mean it doesn't come naturally at times, but you work to love your spouse. But with your kids, it's just like deposited. It's just there. It's just innate. And when I was thinking about this passage of like, how do you know something that surpasses knowledge? How does it transcend, you know, what's pragmatic or what you could even write down or you don't understand the mechanics of it. It's just there. And I think about that with my daughter. It's like, you just, you love them supremely and it transcends your understanding. You don't know why it's just there. You just experience it. And I think that's like a small glimpse of like God's love for us, like the way he feels about you. He can't write, you, you can't even write down why or all the details. It, it's not a checklist. It's, there's not like necessarily reasons. It's just, it just is. God is love. In fact, First John 4, 8, he just loves you. And it's like that when you become a parent, you just, it's just True. There's nothing you could do to take that away. And that's how God feels about you in this room right now. That's how he feels about every one of you. When he looks at you, the way he loves you, it transcends knowledge and understanding. And what Paul wants for us is we would start to grasp that and experience that. And I don't know about you, I hear about God's love all the time. Do I grasp it? Do I experience it? I'm not sure all the time. And I think what I'm trying to do in my own prayer life is to sit back and actually say, okay, Jesus, I don't want to just know about this. I want to experience it. I want to feel this beyond knowledge. And Paul prays that we can be strengthened for that. And the last thing that Paul prays is this, that you would be strengthened to be filled with all of Jesus in all of you. Paul prays that you would be filled with all of Jesus in all of you. Look how he connects it to verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you would be filled with all of God In all of you, like a coffee cup that's filled to the brim, piping hot, ready to be poured over. You would be filled to the brim with Jesus. Filled to the max. That all you can do when you're filled up that much is pour out. In fact, if anybody bumps into you, it just pours on them. And it's piping hot, people. Come on, somebody. You get burned. I'm going to keep going with the metaphor. (laughs) Smells good, Jesus on you. You stank before Jesus, okay? Sorry. Come on, somebody. So Paul prays you would be strengthened, to be filled with all of God in all of you. So you may ask, like, does that mean that I need more of the Holy Spirit? I don't think that's what Paul is praying. I think what Paul is praying is that you're already filled with the Holy Spirit when you trust it in Christ. But what we need at times is a fresh renewal of that. In fact, here's what I would say. You don't need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants more of you. You don't need more of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is is the Holy Spirit wants to start to invade every access point of your life. The Holy Spirit wants permission to take every space in your life, in your mind, and in your heart, in the core of who you are, permeating all of God in all of you. So how does that happen? How are we filled to the brim, filled with the fullness? There's two ways if you're you're writing notes. I want you to think about this. The first, when it comes to being strengthened, to be filled with all of God in all of you, is you drink daily, number one you drink daily. I love how Paul talks about this later in Ephesians 5 when he says this. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, for the, the word debauchery means it leads to a foolish life, but be filled with the spirit. If you think about this metaphor, guys, if you've ever found yourself drunk, that comes from, you have to drink excessively to get to that point. You're influenced by that which you intake. So you're influenced by it. But here's the way your body works. You have a metabolism. Your metabolism, if you stop drinking, will burn off the alcohol and you'll come back to sobriety. So it's this picture where Paul is saying, keep drinking of the spirit, Drink deeply, and you'll be influenced by the Spirit. Don't be influenced by the world. Don't keep drinking these things and become intoxicated by the wrong things. No, you can drink deeply the things of Jesus. Be influenced deeply by the things of Jesus. Don't take this path. That's not God's best for you. And it never leads to a great life. It leads to debauchery. So be filled with the Spirit. The word, the language there means constantly fill up. It's not something that just happens one time. It means daily drink deeply from the Spirit of God. How do you do that? Well, guys, the first way, you get in God's Word. Every day you're drinking deeply from God's Word. You you have a spirit that needs to be refreshed every day. You're in prayer with the Lord Jesus. You're with his people who are pouring into you. You're drinking deeply. Don't be influenced by that. Walk. Be filled with the spirit. But the second is then you ask continually. You drink deeply and you ask continually. You're not asking for more of the Holy Spirit necessarily. You're asking for a fresh renewal. You're asking for a manifestation of the Spirit's power in your life. You are asking, are there any spaces in my life the Spirit cannot access because I have quenched them or grieved them? The Bible tells you you can grieve the Holy Spirit. It also tells you you can quench the Holy Spirit. Like a hose in your backyard that when you try to yank it and water something stops flowing water because there's a kink in our lives, at times spiritually, we kink the line. So what we do is we tune God's voice out and we go our own way and we pursue our own path. Maybe there's sin patterns in our life that are trying to quench or kink your hose. And so to walk in the filling of the Spirit is to pray, ask God to reveal those areas, and unkink the line. So it's not necessarily that you need more of the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit wants access to everywhere in your life. Is there anywhere in your life that as I talk, you are holding it like this? And the Spirit wants you to hold it like this. And as you live your life like that, the Spirit flows and fills every space in your life. You remove the barriers and the water fills those spaces. There's no more barriers. So we begin to ask continually, Spirit, fill every space in my life. In the book of Acts, the disciples were often, as they prayed for boldness, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, a fresh renewal, a fresh filling, opening their hands, and the Spirit accessing every point in their life. Listen, A.W. Tozer, he said it like this, modern churches focus on filling churches with people. The gospel focuses on filling people with God. So Paul prays that we would be strengthened with power through his Spirit, in your inner being, so that you can be filled with all of Jesus in all of you. So this morning as we close, to briefly review, for those of you who are here and you're asking God for strength, for power, through his spirit in your inner core, he promises that he will give you strength. Strength so you can settle into your new identity in Christ. Strength so that you can grasp and experience God's love. Strength so that you can be filled with all of Jesus in all of you. But most of us, if we're honest, we live with sort of a like getting by view of God. It's more like, I mean, I hear you, I'm reading the text but my approach to God is more like God will kind of help me get by. Like he'll give me enough strength just to get by. Not really grow or flourish or settle into my new reality or really experience and rest in his love or be filled with all the fullness. It's just kind of a getting by God. And here's how, what Paul says to that. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And look at this next word. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Can somebody say amen? Amen. To him who is able, who is able to do, and check this, far more abundantly. And then he says than all we could ask or think. It's not only that Jesus wants to give you the power to walk with him, but he can give you more than you could ask or even think about. In fact, he'll give you far more abundantly. Not just to settle, not just to experience, not just to be filled to the fullness, but more than that, far more than that far more abundantly according to the power at work within us, if you will ask him. God is able. He is able to do this. For every person who walked in here who feels spiritually empty, maybe you don't even know that you're spiritually empty. You don't even know what you need. He is far more able to meet those needs. More than you could ask and more than you could even think. So this morning as we close... I just want to give you some time to process that with Jesus. And in your bulletin, you've noticed some questions here on the right-hand side. And I want to give you some time to do this. The questions read, what does this passage reveal about God that you can thank him for or declare about him? And what does this passage reveal about Jesus' followers that you can declare or ask for more of? From God's word this morning, there are a 1,000 messages going out. God has something unique and specific for you. So I want to give you time to process that with Jesus. What is it that you need to declare for over your life? What is it that would take God to do far more abundantly than you think or imagine he could do? Have you asked him? Have you wrote it out? Have you declared it over your life? I just want to give you some time to process this with Jesus, and then we'll close this morning.